Hi, I'm Heather Evans, and together with Karen Koritzer, we host the Arc Waves podcast. Arc Waves shares best practices and habits of diverse performers and leaders. These inspiring leaders are from all stages of the leadership wheel, from seasoned CEOs to emerging leaders, risk takers and innovators, for-profit and not-for-profit. Our guests are trailblazers serving as beacons for those striving to be outstanding leaders in the disabilities field and beyond. All right, good morning, Karen. Good morning. I'm really excited to be here to do our first ARC Waves podcast coming to you from the ARC Oneida Lewis in downtown Utica. It's awesome. This is great. This is very exciting for us. Uh, I think podcasts are a great way to communicate with some people that we may otherwise be missing. It's just such a fantastic forum, and I'm so excited to do this with you. Um, Part of doing this with you, though, and part of exploring this podcast forum is really letting our listeners get to know you. Uh, and get to know me a little bit as well. So for today, I'd love to ask you a few questions and just have a conversation about your background so the listeners can get to know you and love you like I do. Sounds great. So Karen, first, just kind of level set. Uh, Tell us a little bit about your role here at the Arc Oneida Lewis. So my role here at the Arc Oneida Lewis is um, as the CEO. I've been here, they'll be uh, coming up on 11 years this January. it's amazing how time goes by so quickly. So my role here really is uh, to um, the oversight of the many, many programs that we have here. We uh, cover two counties in central New York State, Oneida and Lewis. We support about 1,400 people with developmental disabilities. And we have um, services that run from early intervention for infants on up to seniors. And we run the whole gamut. We have um, programs in schools and school districts across the uh, the counties. We have um, College Works programs. That's a great partnership we have with our, a local community college, MVCC. Uh, residential programs that are twenty four seven, supportive apartments, self direction services that people can get in their homes, day programs. Um, we have places where people can get jobs. Uh, we have a fantastic business enterprise uh, team also that has that does a lot of subcontract work for local and um, businesses in the state or uh, even the nation. So we're really um, all over the map in terms of how we can support person and no no matter where they come in to our organization or what age, we would be able to support them uh, with the services that they may need. What's amazing to me is that you can hear passion in your voice, despite the fact that when you name off that litany of services that we offer here at the ARC, it's, it's kind of exhausting. I mean, it is so all-encompassing. Um, how do you maintain that passion as a leader? That's a great question. Um, you know, I, I think it's just something that has been ingrained in me since I was very young, very passionate about advocating for the rights of others, uh, for people who may not have a voice. Um, And I think, you know, being able to provide supports and services that give people the lives that they deserve, um, the lives that they want, is constantly 
rewarding for me. So mm-hmm. that never stops, right? Yeah. I mean, no matter how it was was as a kid, you know, just had a, a friend who was a wonderful person. Um, she happened to have a developmental disability, but I just loved spending time with her. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, as the years progressed, I wanted to make sure that she was okay and and that um, she got what she wanted uh, out of life. And just being able to ensure that people um, really uh, have the opportunities that everybody else does. So that that passion never really wavers. That's amazing. I wish people could see your face and how it lights up when you talk about that. Now, this was a childhood friend? Yes. Okay. Yes, yep. Where were you born? Um, I was actually born in New Hartford. You were? Okay. Yeah. But we lived out in Madison County okay. and uh, lived on a farm. And this um, uh, friend was uh, lived on another farm nearby, and we got to be good friends and uh, on the bus. And she was just um, a wonderful, wonderful person. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of, would you say, what really propelled you into human services as a way of advocating for those sorts of uh, individuals? I, th- I think, you know, it's not just, it's, it, for me, it's a multiple experiences um, that really, I think, touched my life very early on. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, my friend whose first name is Shelly, you know, um, it was living in um, a very small town, going to school in an elementary school where it was somewhat integrated sure. school, but this is like the 70s, and there wasn't a lot of... I think opportunities for people to um, integrate as much. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the school tried, but I don't think that the kids really had opportunities that they like they do today. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a start, and I think seeing kids um, enjoy each other's company. Like I, I had a wonderful opportunity of doing Special Olympics. Oh, um, wow. I think I actually have my certificate over there for my oh, very yeah. first, like, very 1970 cool. something, <laughs> um, which I love doing volunteering. And um, and then it's sort of we also had um, a relative who uh, had developmental disabilities, and he um, ended up at the Rome State School. Okay. Um, and because there was no art chapters, there was no Jeez. services, there was no, you know, anything in my uh, great-grandmother really wanted to keep him home. She didn't want him to go into an institution. He, the one, you know, physician in the area in this, that very rural town said, you know, he's got to, you got to put him away. Aww. And she didn't want to do that. And uh, so she took care of him as long as she could. And then she, um, he was about 30, I think 32 years old. She herself was elderly and having some health problems. And so she asked her daughter, um, which is my grandmother, to take him to the Rome State School. Oh, that must have been horrible for her to have to go through to be faced with that crossroads. I can't imagine. Yeah, and I don't think that we, you know, really had enough information at that time and right. how deplorable the conditions were um, until we really had Willowbrook, um, mm-hmm. the expose. And I think, in, you know, in the 70s and things changed, thank God, Drastically. So absolutely, much of my passion also stems from wanting to make sure we never go backwards. We never go back to those institution days where people are literally just a number. Right. We want people to have, you know, independence, their individuality, 
what is it they want to do, um, having a really fulfilled life. Uh, and I think when you start seeing things like budget cuts and changes like we have over the last, you know, 10 years, right. it really is, is frightening to, to, to think about are people going to, are we going to go backwards in some way? So we, we here, I think, at the Arkanai Lewis have done a, a really great job. We have wonderful teams here that um, really look to keep people moving in the right direction. That is really scary to think about the impact that those cuts could have. And I can imagine that that keeps you up at night as the leader of the organization. And how do you counteract that and still be able to provide that level of service that you've seen firsthand makes such a difference in people's lives? Right. I mean, I, I think you have to look at the opportunities in the face of challenging times, mm-hmm. right? Where, mm-hmm. where are those places that you might be able to look at differently and say, okay, let's see if we could build something here. So, you know, we, we really, um, looked at how we could do things differently on our day program side. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, could we do more, um, in the community day services, um, what they call without walls and less dependence on site base. I like the, I like to be able to have all the options available. Right. But I think you, you really have to look at, okay, we can keep this, we can do site based, you know, but what can we do beyond that? What Mm -hmm. can we do more? That's even more, um, involved in the community. So I think that's something that we are constantly looking at, or how can we just, um, maybe do things differently to, on our, you know, our, uh, sorry, information technology, um, where we really looked at how we could introduce telemedicine and mm-hmm. telehealth into this, um, into our agency. And so I think that was an amazing experience of having to really build up our information technology before we could even consider telehealth. Mm-hmm. And then when we were ready, um, we looked at grants and we got, you know, $1.5 million in, in, in grant funding to be able to have telehealth equipment all across our agency and all of our, you know, with the traditional call group homes. Um, so I think it's really looking at those opportunities. And thank goodness we did, because right before COVID, we had all of our equipment in place. We had um, um, a telemedicine docs uh, ready and mm-hmm. um, that we were also another grant with. Uh, so I think we were we were well positioned. I think uh, that's probably been one of the most exciting things for me being part of the agency is to see how it fared throughout COVID and what a testament to your leadership and to the team that you put together that you were able to re- uh, maintain care for those nearly 1,500 people that we support over two counties. Um, that continuity that we were able to provide, having the um, telehealth and telemedicine um, infrastructure in place so that when the lockdown orders came, we could turn around and pivot and keep going forward. Um, most leaders aren't ready for that challenge to come, but you, it was almost as if you knew it was on its way because you had everything ready to go. And I think that's so admirable. I also think it's, you know, it's not easy to be able to, um, sit in crisis, Mm -hmm. right? I think, that comes a lot from my training as a social worker, um, being able to 
help people in the middle of some of the most difficult, challenging times um, and knowing, okay, here's some options and here's some directions for you to be able to go and how can I support you to get there? Well, that's no different than, right. you know, from a person to an organization. It's still about how can we, you know, sit with this? Yep, this is a really difficult time. We're going to acknowledge that, but what do we need to do to pull together take one step at a time, figure out what our plan is, you know, and, and always keep your eye on the ball, which is how do we make sure the people we support are safe and supportive? I love that. I love that phrase, sit in that discomfort, kind Mm -hmm. of sit in that crisis. Mm -hmm. Um, to me, that's words of wisdom for anybody, no matter what walk of life they're in, not always easy words to Mm -mm. take to heart, but I think such a great perspective when you're faced with a big challenge. Um, sometimes the best thing to do is to just do nothing and sit back and think a little bit. That's so. right. Yep. Um, you know, our listeners don't know this probably, but we've known each other for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I love about having a conversation like this and having this forum is I get to ask you questions that friends wouldn't normally get to sit and ask each other. Right. You know, that's right. I, I right. mean, I didn't realize you were lived on a farm. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else that you could tell us that might surprise uh, some of our listeners about yourself or your background? Something that people wouldn't know. That's a really good question. Um, I, I think that one of the things that I do to um, just keep myself grounded and have for many years is just writing. Um, I've done songwriting in the past. I've written poetry. And, you oh, know, neat. I think just being able to again sort of be in the present and sit in that moment and be able to have some creativity at least for me it keeps me pretty grounded um which has been really helpful I think over the many years and I started doing that when I was in you know I was like 10 years old oh really trying you know starting to do that and yeah uh so it was it was really really a great opportunity I think throughout high school to be able to have that yeah you know um and then just carrying that with me. I didn't start taking um, guitar until I was about 21 years old. That was a fantastic experience. I'm so glad I did that. It was one of the best things I ever did. Cause you just, you know, people think, oh, too old. But no, you very know, cool. You know, you're always, you can always have uh, those opportunities to learn. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, you started off in human services and uh, a social worker, as you mentioned. How did you catapult yourself from kind of that role into a leadership role? Like, tell me a little bit about how you got here. Well, you know, it's what's. I have to. Um, I will be giving. I was asked, actually, I should say, uh, to to speak at the uh, MVCC graduation, the Mohawk Valley Community College. Um, graduation in December provided everything still goes forward you know with you never know with COVID etc so I've had a lot of time to think about what I'm going to say and your question is kind of what has been sort of circling in my mind is you know how did I go from this spot to this spot Mm -hmm. because when I was a a, a sophomore in high school I really wanted to be a marriage counselor oh interesting and I had very strong vision, right? Very clear to me that I was going to have a house one day and and have a private practice out of my house. And I don't know where I got all that from, but it was really like this was how it was going to be for me. 
was going to get my master's, my PhD, and that's all I wanted to do. So even when I was going through Mohawk Valley Community College and even through my bachelor's degree at University of Albany, still really wanted to to do this. Interesting. So then I took a summer job as a teacher's aide. This was probably in between my, I think, first and second year of my MSW program. And I worked in a um, very, um, another, sort of a more of an urban school, but it was um, with kids with uh, emotional, intellectual, social challenges. Mm-hmm. And so my classroom was five and six-year-olds. Wow, little kids. Little guys. And it was like the summer, hottest summer I record at that oh, point. You know, it's, a, it's an elementary school, right? And there's no air conditioning. Mm-hmm. And um, so a lot of those factors where you think, Jesus, this isn't going to be the best. Right. You know, this can't be the best environment for them. <laughs> but we walk out on the first day to get the kids off the bus, and this little guy runs off the bus, makes a beeline right for me, grabs my hand, looks up to me, and he says, you're going to be my friend this summer. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, hmm. and he's like, my name's Brendan. Um, let's go in. Let's go into the building. So he's just, he was very sure that he was going to be, that I was going to be his friend. And, you know, I'm 20-something years mm-hmm. old. I'm like, I don't have, you know, five-year-old friends here, but okay, <laughs> whatever. So we go inside, and uh, he sits down. We had circle time. We always had circle time. She was a very structured program. She was a great teacher. They had another teacher's aide there. And... Uh, he sits, you know, he sits down next to me, and then a couple minutes later, he stands up and he goes over to this other little boy, who I hadn't seen, um, was sort of playing off by himself, and he put his arm around him and he says, "Come sit next to me," and the little boy did. He came sit oh next to him. Oh my gosh! And every day for like the first week, Brendan would get up and circle, go over to that little boy. It was clearly, you know, it was social stuff was, mm-hmm. you know, was was challenging for that little guy, and would bring him over until eventually that little guy came over and sat next to Brendan every day during circle time. Wow. And so throughout this, the, um, it was like a seven-week program, it was such a great opportunity to see these kids, to see Brendan, you know, sort of um, as kind of a little leader of their mm-hmm. group, uh, getting me to do, you know, drawings of like Power Rangers and, you know, <laughs> everything and yeah it's just a wonderful wonderful experience and at the end when it was the last day we walked back out and I had put a little um, note to his parents in his backpack and just said you know your kid's really great I've enjoyed Mm -hmm. this you know summer he's been a really really a joy we walked out to um to the bus and he looked up at me and he has these huge eyes you know and they're all filled with tears and he says I'm never going to see you again am I oh my gosh and I said you know I don't know but I do know that you were right I did become your friend this summer oh my gosh and he was and I just was so floored by that um his experience you know experience with him and he got gave a big hug got on the bus and drove away um I never did see him again our our paths never crossed that's not really what the point of that story was, right? right. I mean, it really was about um, something really significant and a big change because from that point on, I never wanted to be a marriage counselor again. 
I wanted to work with, with kids with developmental disabilities. That's exactly what I did. The first job I had with my MSW was working with um, kids uh, at an ARC. Wow. And, um, and then working with kids in a school district, uh, in uh, inpatient psychiatric hospital, um, <clears throat> emergency youth program. And then eventually I got my MBA and started getting into more um, of the uh, leadership. But I always tell that story because it's so, it's, it's a great example of, you know, sometimes what you need is found in the most unusual packages. Yes. And for me, it was a five-year-old little guy who, you know, so unexpectedly completely changed the entire trajectory of my career. Oh my God. That's so, a, that gives me chills. Yeah. It's, it, and I was, I feel very, very lucky to have had that experience. And I think though you have to be willing to be open to look at that, to look for those experiences. And, uh, I was, I was really glad and that, you know, to be able to, to share that with other people mm-hmm. so that they could be inspired or they'll be able to look for their sort of little packages, I think has been a really great joy. And wherever he is now, I'm sure he looks back on the summer he met you and is grateful for that friendship as well. Yeah, I'd like to hope so. (laughs) Karen, that was so amazing for you to sit and share all that information with me. Um, We're kind of getting low on time, and we want to make sure that we are respectful of our listeners' times um, constraints, but so happy that we have people that are going to listen to this and look forward to having them listen next month when we have another episode. But before we end, I'd love to ask you just a couple of quick lightning round questions, uh, kind of just to keep it fun and light. Great. Are you ready for it? Yep. All right. Which do you prefer, texting or talking? Texting. What was your favorite childhood TV show? (laughs) (laughs) Scooby-Doo. That was one of mine, too. If you could travel back in time, what period would you visit? The Industrial Revolution. Why? Because I think... The incredible ideas of how to build your community, build businesses, organizations, um, and the incredible titans that were there around during that time. I still uh, get so many ideas about how to build your community, how to build your business, how to work with um, your staff, your your coworkers. Um, how do you engage community? I mean, it's to me, it was, that was a time I would love to be able to see those things develop. That's, that's really cool. Um, what sound makes you smile? Well, I'm a mom. So obviously my kids laughter or, you know, baby's laughter. Mm-hmm. Cake or pie? Cake. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> what was the last show you binge watched? Mayor of Easttown. That was a great Wasn't show. Wasn't that amazing? Oh, my gosh. It was. <laughs> Who inspires you? Um, the people that we support here and the things that they've gone through in their lives, they're still moving forward. They're still creating relationships with others. Um, to me, they're, they're the most inspiring people I know. Awesome. And your favorite color? I'd say like a very, very dark purple, like an indigo. Ooh, nice. 
Well, Karen, thank you so much for your time today. Do you have any parting words for our listeners before we let you go? First of all, I think you did a great job, Heather. Thank you. <laughs> um, you know, this is uh, our first one. This is our first um, and the sort of the, the first steps of how we are moving ahead with the podcast um, with Arc Waves. And I, I really do look forward to, to this developing further um, as we go along, having guests on and I think it's going to be a great, a great, um, a great thing for us. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much. I won't give too much away to our listeners, but I will tell them that we do have some fantastic guests in mind mm-hmm. and committed and lined up. And uh, I think people will really enjoy hearing from them. So thank you again, Karen. Have a great day. Disclaimer, the views, ideas, and opinions expressed in this podcast are only those of the individuals involved and do not reflect the official policy or position of the ARC Oneida Lewis chapter, the ARC New York, or any other agency, organization, employer, or company.